Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. The big story for me this week, and hopefully for you as well, is the upcoming 2023 Create a Competitor Competition Finals. The character that I created, so to speak, and am championing, JAC, the Long Island legend, the headliner, is taking on the character championed by Simon Strauss based on his son, Captain Kidda. The videos have been done. The period for submitting videos is over. They've been given to the editors. The editors have created videos for each side. I've seen them both. Those will be shown to the judges, and the judges will pick who wins November 15th, Wednesday night, 8.30, during Talk of the Universe. I'm not sure what time during Talk of the Universe they did not say. I also don't know if I'm going to be on Talk of the Universe. Last year at the finals, JAC versus Lauren Santiago, I was on there. Lauren Chouinet was on there, and we each made a pitch to the judges in addition to the video. I'm hoping they do that again this year. As of right now, they have not reached out to me about being on Talk of the Universe for the match. I hope they do. I want to be on there. I want to make my case before the judges. I will say I'm surprised that they're doing the match so soon. When I spoke to Pat Mulligan, about this at Sin City Con, he thought it would be at least two weeks after the video submission period closed, maybe three, so the 22nd or the 29th. From what I can tell, just making my best guess, they were able to get the judges for the 15th. That was the best day for the judges. Now, we know who three of the judges are. The first, the Titan of the Northeast, the King of New York, TJ Marconi, longtime fan, player, competitor in Super Show the Geek. We have from Young, Dumb, and Broke, Jordan Oliver. He's the second guest judge. The final guest judge that we're aware of from WWX, the uh, wrestling school created by Caveman, Rockstar Joey Sins. That's the name I understand. I hope I'm getting that right. Joey Sins. We may have another judge. I don't know. Those are the three judges that have been announced. Last year they had four judges. I would be surprised if they went with three. Although with three, there is no chance at a tie. If two judges vote for one competitor, that competitor wins. So maybe they'll stick with three. Maybe they'll add a fourth. If there is a fourth, Pat Mulligan is the tiebreaker. If there's an even split, Pat Mulligan has announced he's going to be the tiebreaker. I hope they do not change that on the night of voting on November 15th. I, of course, am pulling for JAC. I hope the rest of you do as well. I will do my best to get JAC in the game. I hope that happens November 15th. I'll do my best to see that happen. Speaking of Caveman's Wrestling School, WWX, this past Monday, 
a bunch of the students from WWX, including Rockstar Joey Sims, went down to Legendary Realms, the local Super Show venue, played in the tournament, and afterwards they announced they're going to institute the WWX Invasion Belt, Invasion Championship. What that means is this. Every time the WWX students go down to, a.k.a. invade Legendary Realms, they will pick a player representing WWX. The Legendary Realms people will pick a player to represent them. Those two players will square off. The winner becomes the WWX Invasion Champion. The New York players are instituting this cross-promotional championship. Next story I'll talk about, PAX Unplugged. The only news I have for PAX Unplugged is that there is a movement currently underway to potentially organize a constructed tag team tournament at the convention. Right now, with the exception of the World Championship Tournament, which I believe, going from memories on Saturday, every other official SRG event is a sealed event. You'll buy boxed product and then use that boxed product to play the Super Show events, including a tag team tournament. There's a movement for a constructed tag team tournament where you bring your own decks and play. Bob Dunn is currently organizing that, so if you're interested in playing in that tournament, reach out to Bob Dunn about that. I have no details other than that. I don't know what the format's going to be. I don't know when he's going to try to get that done. But if you're at least interested, reach out to Bob Dunn. I'm curious to see what they're able to get done. There is not a lot of time to get that organized. I'm recording this show November 12th. Three weeks from today is December 2nd, the last day of PAX Unplugged. So that's not a lot of time to get everything organized. That's the biggest bit of news I have about PAX Unplugged. No information about a Play Pure tournament. I'll give it to you when I have it. That's the reason I was going to PAX Unplugged. So I will be slightly disappointed if it ends up not happening. But that just means I'll have to figure out when I'm going to defend, so to speak, that championship in a tournament at some point in the future. It might not be until Grand Gathering. That might be the next event of any size where the Play Pure Tournament can happen. Old School Pack 2, still set to debut at PAX Unplugged. If you watch Expanding the Universe Thursdays on the SRG Universe Twitch page, they've been showing off the cards and competitors that are going into that. Characters like the Heartbreaker, the Boulder, Cuddy Warrior, Apoya and Mascarda, a mix of new competitors and old competitors like the first old school pack. The Steel Chain deck should be debuting sometime between now and PAX Unplugged. No official date on that, but that should be coming out. We're also going to get a new version of GoGo with finish cards. GoGo, the competitor, has been out for a long time. There's a few different art styles. He's never had finish cards before now, so he'll be releasing with finishes. I believe it's the same gimmick from what I understand. He'll just be getting finished cards this time. No date on that either. Speaking of new characters, if you created card art, 
cards, stuff with the Kickstarter. SRG Universe is pushing for people to send in their created content forms. So if you have created content outstanding where you haven't sent the form in, go to supershowthegame.com, find the form, fill it out, send it in. Project Spider. I have not talked about Project Spider because I didn't know what it was. There was a post from a while back where John Clace was looking for people to be involved in Project Spider. I wasn't one of those people. Steve Resk showed us what Project Spider is. It's apparently a data gathering app for Super Show the Game. It's not the Super Show Go app where you play Super Show on the app. This is a data gathering app. You'd have an account. You'd report win-loss records from tournaments, locals, things like that. Report what competitors you used. Report if you were using a dice rolling program on like a phone or if you were hand rolling dice. And I'm not sure if this includes a dice rolling program. They talked about a dice rolling program, but I wasn't sure from the discussion if that meant this app has one or doesn't have one. But it's basically a database to store data about your games. I don't know if it's going to cost anything to use. I don't know when it's debuting. It is apparently close to being done and ready to be put out to the public. It'll be for Android phones. It'll be for Apple phones. And it's designed mostly for smartphones and tablets, not really for desktop computers. That's pretty much all I know about Project Spider. If I get more, I'll give you more. That's what I have right now. And those are pretty much the big stories from this week. Let me talk about online tournaments, featured matches, championship news from this past week. I'll start with the Underworld Championship. There's been an announcement that the next defense of the Underworld Championship will be a gauntlet match. This match is scheduled for November 19th. I believe it's going to be on Sunday Night Fights. The first match in the gauntlet will be the current champion, the big guy, versus the current intergalactic champion, Jared Bridge. The winner of that match will then immediately face Zach Ashley. Zach Ashley will not be able to change his deck based on who wins the match. He'll have to have his deck just on screen, and then once the match ends, he'll use the deck that's been on screen to play either the big guy or Jared Bridge, and then the winner of that match is the Underworld Champion. So we could see the Underworld Championship change hands twice. We could see the big guy defend twice or some combination thereof. Who knows? When this match is concluded, there will be no upcoming Underworld contenders. So, Bob Dunn, the current general manager of the Underworld division, has set up two contender matches. The first match will be Hold the Line Harry versus Rambo Apocalypse. The other two men that were in the triad match, Jared Bridge won to become the hero of the Intergalactic Championship. The winner of that will be the first contender after the gauntlet match. The second contender after the gauntlet match will be determined by a contender match between Rowdy Ron and Mitchell Manja, two former Rookie of the Year candidates. Actually, I think Mitchell Manja is a current Rookie of the Year candidate. 
but two men considered Rookie of the Year in their debut years. Those two men will square off. The winner becomes the contender after the winner of Hold the Line Harry versus Rambo Apocalypse. That's what I have about the Underworld Championship. Also on November 19th, also on Sunday Night Fights, the Veterans Championship will be defended. Challenger Brock Carson, playing as J.P. Warhorse, will take on champion Jeff McPeak, playing as Pretty Boy Snow. The winner will be the Veterans Champion. Deep Six Championship Update. I talked last week when I covered ACCW Presents the Level Up CAC about the Deep Six Championship belt, that there was some kind of scheme between Jeremy Steigerwald and Lauren Santiago. Apparently the belt has ended up in the hands of the prize fighter Simon Dabner. He is calling himself the six-stop king from what I understand. Now, the judge Tim Riley, who is the general manager over the six-stop division, he's come out and said Chris Pate is still the champion, and Chris Pate will be defending against Alec Ventresca soon. Simon Davner has said that's not the championship match, that's the contender match. The winner is going to have to face him for the championship. I don't really know what's going on with the Deep Six belt, but that's the best of what I can give you. The prize fighter is in possession of it. Chris Pate is the champion. And how the belt is going to get to the champion, I don't know. I've been involved in controversies involving belts going to champions. I didn't like it, so I can only imagine how Chris Pate is feeling about it. But that's the Deep Six news. That's the Deep Six Championship news. One more thing before I get into the tournaments and featured matches from this week. There was a rule question that came up. They talked about this on Talk of the Universe about entrance cards. Do you have the option, if you are playing in a tournament and you have an entrance card, to not reveal that entrance card? For example, you might have the entrance card backstage consultation with the director of operations that gives plus two to your hand size, makes your maximum hand size a 12 instead of a 10 in a standard singles match. Maybe you decide it's to your advantage that your hand size is only a maximum of 10 and not 12 against a particular opponent, so you decide you don't want to reveal the entrance. You can't do that. If you're playing in an event and you're using an entrance card, you must use that entrance card in every single match of the event. That is now official. You can't elect to not use it, to not reveal it in certain matches. If you're in a tournament and you are using an entrance card, you must reveal it in every match. Now, some entrance cards require you to activate it. You're not required to activate it. But if it's a constant effect, or an effect that happens at the start of the match, like a champion of Kickstarter, you have to use it in that case. You're not mandated to use an entrance card that has an optional effect that you can choose to trigger or not trigger, but you must reveal it. You can't choose to not reveal it. You must reveal the entrance card. Tournaments from this past week. Monday, we have Monday Night Fights. Ten players in the tournament, divided up into two groups of five. Each player plays the other four in the group. 
top two records per group advance to the top cut. So four players in the top cut. No stipulations as far as I know. The semifinalists are Cheshire playing as Art the Seal and the Italian Bombata playing as Shaggy Shark. The finalists are Bob Dunn playing as his own creation, King Kong Dundee, and Colin Simon playing as Jigsaw, with the winner, Bob Dunn as King Kong Dundee. Congratulations to Bob Dunn for winning Monday Night Fights. Thursday Night Fights, 15 players. Again, in groups, three groups of four players, one group of three. Each player plays the other members of their group. Top two records per group advance to the top cut. In the quarterfinal round, all of the matches are played using the New York Rules stipulation. In the semifinal round, they're all played with EC3 as the special guest referee. And then the finals match is a submission match. Your semifinalists were Alec Ventresca as Okada and Ricky Riot as Peter Leinhardt. Your finalists were Bob Dunn playing as the brain still standing, and HR playing as Hallow King, with the winner, Bob Dunn, as the brain still standing. So Bob Dunn wins the first two regular events of the week. Friday, there's a pop-up event, hosted by the SRG BOSS. 20 players sign up for this. Five groups, four players per group. Top two players per group advance into the top cut. This gives us a top cut of 10 players. Six players get a bye into the quarterfinals. The other four play off in two singles matches. The winner of each joins the six with byes to round out the top eight. Then it's just quarterfinal round, single elimination, semifinal round, and the finals. I don't know about any stipulations in this tournament. The semifinalists were Brother Daniel of the Mission, playing as the Commissioner Drew Madsen, and the Foreman of the Unionverse, playing as Rob Van Dam. Your finalists were Johnny Eldorado, playing as his wife, the Cherry Glamazon, and the prizefighter Simon Dabner, playing as the new version of Donation. The winner of the Friday Night Pop-Up Tournament, Johnny Eldorado. Congratulations to Johnny Eldorado. For your victory. Saturday night, we have one featured match on the SRGPC Twitch page. SRGPC.net is a website that essentially has a card database and some other things, but it's a great resource for players to help them look up cards, competitors, so on and so forth. They have a Twitch page. They hosted Saturday night the Deep South Championship. In this match, we had Challenger, C-Mac, formerly known as Prince Butters, take on champion Harvey Luster. C-Mac was playing as Candice LeRae. Harvey Luster was playing as Anastasia Morningstar. Now, there was a ruling involving Candice LeRae that I want to talk about because I disagree with it. So, let me give you some context. Candice LeRae essentially has two gimmicks. I believe that when the Candice LeRae competitor was created, Candice LeRae is a real, at the time, independent wrestler 
Now she wrestles for WWE. She wrestled a lot of intergender matches. So she would wrestle men sometimes. She would wrestle women sometimes. As a result, they gave her a gimmick that had two parts. If her competitor was a male, then one part of the gimmick would be on, the other part would be off. If it wasn't a male, meaning a female at the time this was created, the male portion would be off, the other portion would be on. Just going from memory, if the competitor that she was facing, the competitor the opponent was using was a male, she could add plus one to her strike, grapple, or submission skill. If the competitor her opponent was using was not a male, when she hit a follow-up, she drew a card. Now before I go any further, let me talk briefly about competitor gimmicks. When a competitor is created, they try to balance the gimmick against the finishers. The better a gimmick is, the worse the finishes are. The worse the gimmick is, the better the finishes are. With Candice LeRae, it's very clear that the first part of the gimmick when she would be facing a male competitor, was the better gimmick. The other part was the worse gimmick. And so what they did when they created Candice LeRae's finishes were they gave her finishes bonuses if she was facing a female competitor. And they say specifically female on the strike and on the submission. So the idea is if Candice LeRae is facing a male competitor, her finishes are weaker, but her gimmick is stronger. If she's facing a female competitor, her gimmick is weaker, but her finishes are stronger. Anastasia Morningstar, who the champion is using, based on a real-life wrestler, Anastasia Morningstar, that real-life wrestler is non-binary, neither male nor female. So the ruling in this match because of the non-binary status of Anastasia Morningstar, Anastasia Morningstar, neither male nor female. The idea was when it came to the gimmick, Candice LeRae would have to use the weaker gimmick, but because the finishes specifically reference a female when it comes to being better, since Anastasia Morningstar isn't female either, none of the bonuses kick in. So. The ruling essentially was that Candice LeRae in this match would have to use the weaker gimmick and the weaker finishes if she used her printed finishes. I understand why from a real-life perspective. I think that is awful from a game balance perspective. That is not a good choice for game balance. In my opinion, they should have let the Candice LeRae player, in this case C-Mac, get the bonuses on the finish. I don't agree with the ruling they made. Now, this is a ruling specifically for the Deep South. It's not a ruling for Super Show in general. I hope this does not become a trend because I think that would be really bad for Candice LeRae. There's only a couple of competitors like Candice LeRae that have a male-female reference. But I think it's bad in this case. It to me sets up a bad metagaming scenario going forward. But 
That was the ruling they went with. And ultimately, it did not matter. Because what really happened in this match was turn roll domination from Harvey Lester. Harvey Lester was getting his gimmick. His gimmick is when Anastasia Morningstar rolls seven for the turn roll. The opponent's next turn roll is minus two. Harvey Lester kept rolling sevens, kept winning on sevens, kept reducing C-Max turn rolls. Harvey Lester hits the finishes at crowd meter zero, one, and two. C-Mac able to break out every time. He's not getting turn rolls, but he's staying strong. It goes to crowd meter three. C-Mac does valiantly fight back, gets himself in position to potentially hit a finish, but the turn rolls, which favored Harvey Lester for the majority of the match, favored him at the end, and he hits the finish at crowd meter three, rolls greater than 10, so C-Mac cannot break out, and he is still the Deep South champion. Congratulations to Harvey Lester for the victory. His next opponent for the Deep South Championship will be Brime Light, formerly known as Brime Time, of the mission. This brings us to Sunday Night Fights. Only one match on the match card. The culmination of the video game feud between the Misfit and Ant West. Ant West, in a video game, kidnaps Candyman. The Misfit has been battling through a series of promos on the discussion group to get to the final boss, Ant West, and they have that final boss match. Sketchy backyard ring goes all the way to crowd meter five. Misfit fights valiantly, but the winner in the end, who still has control of Candyman, Ant West. Ant West used the Hurricane and defeated Misfit using the original version of the Void. It came close. The Void at crowd meter four hit a finish. Ant West only had one breakout roll, but he was able to break out of his one breakout roll. And then he was able to put it away at level five, crowd meter five, in the sketchy backyard ring match. So congratulations to Ant West for defeating the Misfit and retaining control of Candy Mam. No idea what Candy Mam's fate will be going forward, but Ant West got the better of the Misfit on Sunday night. That is pretty much it for this week's episode of the Outbound Mudcast. There were a couple of news things I missed earlier. We do have a Faction Wars update. The Unionverse has defeated the Outlaws in one of the two play-in matches. So, the Unionverse will go on to the top 16. We are still waiting for results from the match between the Freak Show and the Kongaholics. But once that happens, once we get those results, we'll know who the top 16 are, and I can start reporting on Phase 1. The other bit of news I have involves a tournament for the LFF Tag Team Championship being run by Candyman. Candyman picked 12 factions. Each faction gave her two people to be a tag team. Those tag teams are in a tournament right now. She randomly paired up the first round. And the winner of this tag team tournament will be the next contender for the LFF Tag Team Championship. No deadline yet for when the first round matches have to be done. She has requested sooner rather than later. 
As far as upcoming matches for this week, nothing is currently posted on supershowthegame.com, but look for something Monday night, look for something Thursday night, Dojo Tuesday night, twitch.tv slash srguniverse. Also, Wednesday night, do not forget, 2023 Creative Competitor Finals, 8.30 p.m. I would appreciate it if you would tune in and watch and cheer on JAC in his match against Captain Kidder. With that being said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. I would like to thank all of you for listening, and good day.